and welcome to the Toad on Games podcast. Um, today we actually have some guests that are guests and have done things, and that's why they're guests. So um, with us today, we actually have three guests, which is pretty sweet. Uh, we we have IndieBox. Hi. <laughs> you, have a name, you have a name other than IndieBox, I suppose. So it's James from IndieBox. Yep. How's it going? I'm I'm good. I'm warm, and I realised I had to turn the fan off because podcasting. So that's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, and then we also have Josh from Limited Run Games. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's, it's well, still, I guess I guess James just asked you. It's the exact same. So <laughs> it's, um, it's slightly colder now. Slightly <laughs> yeah, that's colder. that's good. <laughs> and we also have Hans or Hans. I'm sorry, I'm terrible at pronouncing everything. I'm fine with almost everything. <laughs> Right, so um, we have a theme going on here, which is, um, unless you've not heard of these companies before, which is physical games. Personally, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't have invited you, a big fan of physical games. And these three, I like to consider, I like to consider your companies sort of the, the kings of, of, of physical releases at the moment. Oh. It's like a revolution of physical games. Oh goodness, I, I'm so... So tiny. I don't know if I could be a king of anything. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, just when 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 I personally think of sort of the recent comeback of physical games, that it is just sort of you guys that immediately comes to mind. Um, what I do is I'll briefly speak about each company, and obviously so can you guys, just so we can explain to people who you are, what the companies are, etc. Just in case people aren't aware. So um, if we start with Limited Run Games, if you want to sort of explain what Limited Run Games is. Sure. So uh, we're a publisher of physical games for consoles and handhelds. We're focusing on PlayStation right now. Um, our whole thing is taking games that were released digitally and putting them on disc and cartridge for people to preserve and have forever. Because my big concern is games disappearing after PlayStation Network shuts down when we inevitably move to the next generation. Because uh, I'm one of the, the very few people who got burned by the shutting down of the original Xbox. I actually lost uh, a really stupid Xbox Live Arcade version of Pac-Man that I had bought. And uh, it was kind of a never-again experience for me. I don't want to lose things that I've paid money for. And I think a lot of people are just fed up with the fact that they don't actually own digital games. So I kind of want to change that that a bit. And I'm also a huge game collector, so... It's just important to me to have these games on my shelf. Uh, yeah, I mean, same really, which is why I buy your stuff. Um, we'll talk more about sort of the digital thing and all that later, because I think like we could, I could probably talk about that forever personally. And then also with us is IndieBox, if you want to explain what IndieBox is. Yeah, actually taking on that feeling of loss, um, we do uh, PC Collector's Edition games, and we, we make physical collector's editions because um, I, I have that series, that feeling of loss when it comes to the nostalgia of games. And I grew up in an era where you would go to stores and look at the back of the boxes and judge how fun a game was based on screenshots or, or that month's Nintendo Power. You know, there wasn't like the internet or Let's Plays and things like that. So uh, every time I would get a game, I would be in the backseat of my parents' car and, and just read through the manual and every single piece of paper inside that box and just hype myself up uh, before I even got to play the game. So uh, we're trying to uh, bring back that with, uh, you know, indie PC games uh, that would never see the light of day on a store shelf. And so uh, that's kind of where, where we come in and create uh, really nice boxes with lots of cool stuff inside. Yeah, and it's and it's good stuff. I actually, had my one of mine turn up yesterday, which is great because 
I'm off work now, so it would have been terrible if, I, if it had arrived like in the week that I'm away. I would have, I would have cried forever, basically. Um, and then also is uh, God. I don't think I've even had to try and pronounce it before. So- Soydesco, Soydesco. It says it's Sudesco. There you go. Um, if you if you wanna if you wanna explain what that is. Yeah, of course. Um, we are a, a, a publisher of games. We do. Um, we do digital as well. We have a couple of games of our own, but a big part of our business is bringing digital games to the physical market. Uh, mostly because because we think that people should have the choice to buy digital or physical. Too many games just came out digital before companies like ours and and Limited Run and Indiebox came along, and we don't really saw why. I mean, a lot of the games that digital work perfectly in physical and um, so we try to reach as many people as possible with with our games and give them the, the choice to buy it in any way they want yep um, so that that's that's who they are obviously I should probably at this point say full disclosure clearly I buy all of these companies products clearly I support these companies so full disclosure there for ethic reasons I suppose Right, yeah, so um, I could probably talk about physical and digital crap all day, and we can, because we're on a podcast, and that's why we're here, I suppose. So I, I guess going off of what um, going off of what Josh said, um, with, with the digital thing, that has been such a huge concern of mine for such a long time. Um, in fact, I even held off of paying for PlayStation Plus until I really had to with the PS4, because... When it was introduced on the PS3, immediately one of my concerns with the free games that they were giving out was, what happens with that license? Do you keep that license? What about when when that console was no longer supported and PS Plus goes down? Does that mean you don't have that game anymore? Does that mean I don't own it anymore? And just the licenses in general with digital aren't as... I don't think most people even think about it, but, but they're not as safe as you would think. Um... Like, digital licenses sometimes are just given on a sort of almost rent basis if you read the terms and conditions. Like, you don't own this, you're just playing it. And that's sort of one of the main advantages that, that, that I see in, uh, in, in physical things anyway. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing because there's been so much stuff that's been lost, especially on, like, PlayStation. If you look at PlayStation Mobile on the Vita, they recently shut that down and those games are gone forever. They're, they're just... They're gone. I don't even know if people bothered to back them up for pirate websites. So I think a lot of that stuff's just gone in the ether, which is really sad because some of that stuff was really good content. It was fun games. It was small games, but there's no reason that those games shouldn't exist now. But with the shutting down of PlayStation Mobile, those games are gone. And and that's just, that's a shame. And even if you have it downloaded, if you decide to change the memory card in your Vita, it's going to get wiped. They're gone. You can't re-download them. They're just you've literally thrown away your money at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just stupid. I mean the the sort of the biggest example that most people would be able to reference here. And I feel like this is maybe the the only time this sort of hit the news and everyone sort of really started thinking about this sort of stuff was with PT when PT was taken off of the store. I think at that point people then started to think about well we're not ever going to be able to see that game again, you know, for people that don't have it. That's gone. Like you can't preserve that anymore. Um, well, I mean, where, whereas obviously with physical games, with boxed content, you can, 
Um, and that's, I mean, security isn't the only reason that people want phys- physical games. It's It looks nice on a shelf. It it feels like you actually own things with, with all three of your company products. Um, are that, I mean, that's, that's a personal thing, and it's like how others feel. It's like, I like to have it on a shelf. I like to, it, that, that sort of makes me feel like I own it, like I have it. I have that product. I can look at it. I can hold it in my hands, like a tangible thing. And I play digital games, obviously. I mean, I play games on Steam and through uh, PSN and uh, free indie games and etc. etc. But, but yeah, it just doesn't feel quite the same when it's digital. I suppose with 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 two of you, two of you guys at least, it it's entirely physical with you guys, sort of. So I suppose in, Indie Box and Limited Run Games in particular is definitely sort of tailored for people that very specifically, mindfully want the security of physical games and uh, to have something on a shelf and, and whatnot. Yeah, with IndieBox, what we do is we'll we'll include both. We'll we'll have the game on a USB, and that's for the preservation. And then beyond that, um, for the people that, you know, still like to have that Steam library, we'll, we'll give them a Steam code as well. And so if you never even crack open that USB drive, you can know that if, if you ever get into a point where um, you know you don't have access to your your internet or to Steam for some reason. You can grab that USB and still play the game, and I think that's a very important piece of um, you know ensuring that that the the game is preserved forever rather than just on some Steam library. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with with stuff like uh, with IndieBox as well, obviously you get little collectibles and stuff, so that's kind of nice. Um... Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is just the, the sort of security of of having a physical product and being able to sort of show it off and have it on a shelf and and stuff like that. Um, well, it's also um, it's also nicer to give away. I mean, who who wants to receive a digital game as a gift? I'd rather give away a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's certainly the case. For um, I used to work in a, in a video game store, and um, you'll notice that parents as a whole they don't want to just buy digital products for their kids for things. Um, we would have parents come in and buy Christmas presents and stuff, and the option is there to go into a store and buy, you know, digital uh, currency. Right. But they don't want. They don't want to like wrap up a receipt and put it in a. You know, a receipt with a code on it is not exactly a fantastic present. So. Right. Um, in in a in a retail space, especially like, parents are like exclusively just sort of retail physical products. Um, and as one of you said about looking at the on the back of cases, like that's all they have to go by, pretty much. I mean, it's word of mouth, or they look on a case and see what what they think about it, sort of thing. Yes. I mean, especially with, for for example, the last the last tinker, the last tinker, was a strange experience for me, just just on a buying front, because um, obviously having grown up with with just retail games. That was very much the case for me, where I would go into a store, I would look at the face of a game, I'd look at the back, and that's all I would have to go by. I wouldn't have the intent to go by, I wouldn't know anything about the game. And I kind of had that experience for the first time in maybe a decade with The Last Tinker. I hadn't heard about it before, I saw it in a store, it looked lovely, and I bought it. And it was good. And that was kind of a cool experience. That's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's kind of it's kind of an experience that rarely exists anymore because obviously everyone will go online and they'll read about they read about games first and stuff. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad because things change, but it 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 is a shame that we have lost sort of that um, 
spontaneity where people can just look at a thing and be like, oh yeah, that looks cool. I guess it kind of applies to digital now, but it's, yeah, it's it's just not the same looking at a Steam store page uh, versus picking up like a a case and flipping it over and looking at the screenshots and kind of deciding to dive in based on that. There, there's there's a different thing with that. I, I totally agree there. Yeah, and I mean, there are so many games now that physical almost becomes a totally new space to discover games again. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, The Lost Thinker, when we did it physically, it was already out digitally for for like, I think at least six months. So the only reason that such a great game becomes unnoticed is because there are just so many games. Yeah, I mean, with, with, uh, with, with you three and other companies, I see this sort of... Because, I mean, all, all, all of you three do this, where it will be a digital game and then it will release as a physical product, which is interesting, I suppose, because it, it, it's interesting that there is a market for that. Like, the game has already been out, but here's a physical one. And I'm seeing that becoming a, a trend. And I think companies like you, like you guys um, have probably initiated that thought process in people. Um for for example, Rocket League, a physical edition is coming out of Rocket League, and you know, that game's been out for like a year, <laughs> and there's a physical edition coming out now. Um, there's a physical edition of Super Meat Boy coming out in like on July for PS4, and I see other companies like uh, the Firewatch developers say they want to make physical um, copies of their games, etc. So it, it, it I think it, there has been sort of a renewed sort of spark in, in both developers and publishers of digital games where they see that they can have sort of almost like a second wave afterwards with physical games? Yeah, I think it's kind of... I mean, there are kind of a couple of ways you can take a look at that. Uh, on the one hand, the, especially the PS4... I mean, we're selling physical on Xbox as well, but especially the PS4 in retail is doing so well that it gives you all new opportunities to sell those games. On the other hand is that even budget for indie games become so big that you need developers need many ways to make that budget back so physical becomes for them just another way to make their development budget back and why why shouldn't they you can make nice amount of money in physical hmm. yeah there's a lot of people who are just straight up not buying games digitally anymore and they will buy the game physically so it's kind of like without doing the physical release, you're leaving a huge portion of the audience out. You're leaving them like just their money on the table. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of people that will exclusively buy physical games, um, or or there's people like me that will buy the game digitally first and then will buy it physically afterwards anyway. So I mean, the yeah. developers literally getting two purchases out of a, and, fa a fair chunk of people. And we're getting people um, who are doing doing the reverse of what you do. They're, they're buying the game physically from us, refusing to open the physical version that they bought from us and then buying it digitally. So they're giving the, the developer money twice. Oh, that's quite interesting. Oh, that's interesting. So they're buying it purely for collector's sake and they're not unwrapping yep. it, but then want and, to play the game anyway. And, and in some instances, when we're doing games like, like Octodad that are Vita and PS4, they're buying both the Vita and PS4 and then they're buying it digitally. So they're triple dipping on the game. They're paying... Like that, that's $25 per physical version and then they're paying $10 to download it. So they're paying $60 to, to own the game, which is kind of crazy. But I, I understand it from a collector perspective because I'm the kind of like got to have it all person. Mm. Like I, I, I am a compulsive collector. That, that is me to a T. So like I understand it, but it's like from a developer perspective, they're like, 
wow, we're getting people to buy our game three times? That's insane. So, Josh, you picked up on or you're talking about something that uh, internally we've been discussing for a while now, which is um, it. where is the market for physical goods at this point? Is it is there a group of people that really want physical goods, um, physical game boxes, and so um, when one comes out, they really want to go get it um, because it just doesn't exist very much anymore? Or is it all depending on the title that you choose? Uh, where someone who really loves Octodad is going to go buy and, and support Octodad with everything that comes out regarding that IP. Um, you know, where do you see uh, the the market going? Because we see very two different groups of people right now coming into us, and we're not sure um, which one's the bigger market. Yeah. So I think you guys you guys kind of have some some differences from us because we we're doing consoles. And this is something I pointed out to some of our, our prospective clients when they ask us if we do PC games. I usually refer them to you guys because I just don't think it's an audience that, that I fully understand yet. Um, because on consoles, you've got people who are full set collectors who are going for every single thing released on the PS4 or Vita. And you can't do that on PC really because there's no beginning or end to a PC collection. You'd be collecting right. till the, the day you're dead and not have everything. But... On PS4 and Vita, you've got gatekeepers and Sony. Yeah, so you've got you've got people, for us, we've got basically these three audiences. We've got people going for a full set on PS4 or Vita or both. We've got people going for a full set of limited run releases. And then we've got people who are just trying to buy the games that they really love and want to support. So mm-hmm. with every release, we'll, we'll get kind of people from each audience. Plus, we'll also get people who are, are speculating and just want to buy it because they think it's going to be rare or valuable. So like right. our, our demand's really hard to gauge because we've got all these different groups that, that we have to kind of factor in. But I see like, I really see the demand for the physical product existing mostly from people who are trying to collect everything for that platform. I think with us, that's really our, our biggest audience. Yeah. So I think we're we're kind of a little bit different from you guys because I think you guys get mostly people who really just want these games and and want the the collectibles that come with them. I I think besides that, but that's mostly an audience that we uh, that we sell our games to. You still have a lot of people that just go into the store, see a game for a nice price, and buy it. I mean, uh, we did uh, one of our first game was was uh, Tesla Grot. And when we did it, it already went out with IndieBox for PC. And still, even on PC, I mean, of course, not as much as on PS4, but still on PC for just the normal version, we also sold a nice amount of units. I think um, from from my perspective as as a buyer, it, it's interesting because you guys obviously are all physical for the sort of point of this anyway, it's all physical stuff. Um, but they are different markets from... My perspective on limited run games and uh, and stuff, and, and I suppose to some degree indie box, is there are some games that I have bought. I mean, I'm on a subscription with indie box anyway, but uh, <laughs> but there but there are some games that I have bought that I've either never heard of or I mean, frankly, may not have bought anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly because it is a physical product and because it's i suppose niche and it's not like a huge mainstream thing it's not like millions of people are buying it and there won't be that many of them so i mean it's partially it's partially i want to have that in my collection as a physical thing 
regardless of, to be frank, regardless of whether I even know what it is or not. And part of it is the rarity of it, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm not someone that really ever, ever plans on, on selling any of this stuff. So the sort of value of it doesn't matter quite so much. Yeah, I, and, and I, I want to go ahead and just say that, like, I am my customer base completely. Like, I bought Retro City Rampage three times. I have it on PS4. I have it on Vita. I, I got the, the, the PC version that IndieBox actually helped out with, or, or the DOS version, excuse me. Uh, I have bought it three times because I, I compulsively <laughs> want to own these things that are rare and valuable and cool. And like, I don't plan on selling them. I just want to own something cool that kind of gives me like almost bragging rights for my collection. Like, hey, look at this cool thing that I own. Yeah. Yep. It's nice to have that feeling, even though I don't intend to sell them and probably won't have much of an opportunity to actually show the products off. But it's just a nice to have that sense of, yeah, this is I have this, it's cool. It's sort of to some degree exclusive. And yeah, I guess uh, even with, with retail ones, ones that, ones that appear in retail, um, like the last Tinker and the Tesla Grad, I, I even get the same sense off of that. I, I feel the same way from that because... Maybe this is because of the position I'm in, and I I have to sort of remember I'm not the mass mainstream market, and I I do know about games, so it's a bit different. But uh, I will look at these games, and I'll know that they're not like big games, um, and that kind of means I want them. And I think part of it, part of it for for all of you guys' products and and anyone else that releases physical products, it's um, a, a, a part of it is certainly I want to show my support for this. Like I want. I want to buy this physical product because I want more physical products. So it's like I am literally just putting money into it to show support for it. But with retail ones, ones that I will just find in the shop, it's like it is sort of re-sparking that, that old style day where you could pick up a game and wouldn't know anything about it. I knew a little bit about like Tesla Grad and stuff when I picked them up, but I, I really hadn't heard of The Last Tinker before um, and just looked at it and it looked colourful and it was... You know, different enough from sort of the mainstream stuff. Um, different enough for me to... I, I, I didn't have a PS4 when I originally had it. And then it was like my on my list of five games that I wanted to buy when I bought my PS4. So it was one of the first PS4 games I bought, um, The Last Tinker. Um, so let me ask you this. You bought the physical version of The Last Tinker. How many hours have you spent playing the game? Yeah, I haven't many. I got distracted by everything else. So I, I, I haven't played it as much as I would like to have. And so that's, I, I think, one of the one of the issues that are plaguing, you know, kind of the indie the indie scene right now is a lot of people really want to purchase games, and whether it be physical or digital or something to that effect, um, that because there are so many people are getting these games, but they're not playing them. Yeah, sure. And you know, at some point, are we are we in the market of providing? Um, collectibles where things just like get purchased and then someone goes grab gets it in their mail and go oh that's cool and they look at the front and back maybe they open it maybe they don't and then it goes on a shelf because it, it hits that nostalgia or are people really wanting this to be their medium of purchasing game, purchasing games that they play and at this point i'm not so sure these are just there's just too many indie games at this point that i'm, I'm not convinced every single person plays every indie game they buy no I mean, when you look at people's Steam libraries and they have hundreds of games, I mean, I know my, my brother is 
I think he would consider himself a collector of games, but he exclusively buys everything on Steam. He has about 2,000 Steam games, and I guarantee you he's, he hasn't played 90% of them. Um, yeah, I mean, Steam codes right now are, are like like Pokemon, right? Like, you got to collect them all. There's, there's Steam sales, there's Humble Bundle, and they make, them, they make games extremely accessible price-wise at certain times of the year. And so it's almost become like feast or famine when when games go on sale, where people just try to collect all of them. And that, in my opinion, that's really hurting the industry because you're devaluing a lot of people's time and effort. Mm-hmm. I think from my perspective, I, I'm definitely guilty of, of buying hundreds of games and never playing them. I, I'm actually a, uh, I'm a sealed game collector. I'm, I'm evil. So I have, I have probably at this point thousands of games that I just have sealed like dating back to like NES games um, but I don't really I don't really feel shame in that when I started limited run I wanted to make developers more money so we sell our games higher than the digital MSRP so that once they get their check from us they actually have a higher per unit from us than they do digitally so I don't feel like too much shame mm. and in knowing that 90% of my customers are probably keeping the game sealed and putting them up on the shelf. But some of our developers are coming up with some really cool ways to help fight that. Uh, East Asia Soft has a release of Soldner X2 coming out with us. And that actually has brand new trophy sets. So the, the digital version that's out there right now, you can't earn a platinum in that. There's just, it's, it's a small scope game with Sony. I know from like a, a non-dev perspective, that means nothing, but... That actually just means that it's just got mostly bronze trophies that are kind of worthless to trophy hunters. But our physical mm-hmm. release has a platinum, it has golds, it has silvers. It has a lot of trophies to earn. So people actually have a reason to crack open the physical version from us and play it instead of the digital version. So it's going to be interesting seeing with that, like, are we going to get a whole new audience that comes in to get these trophies? Or, or are we going to get... You know, the people who are keeping our games sealed, are they actually going to open them now that they know they can earn these new trophies? It's kind of going to be an interesting experiment. And I know, like, James has been doing really cool stuff with IndieBox Challenge, where every time I get a new game from him, I have a reason to open it up because there's some kind of goal for me to accomplish to maybe win some cool prize from him. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be like that. <laughs> no, people should, people should just want to mean... play their games, right? No, that's not what I mean. I mean that we did the same thing with uh, Tower of Guns to be able to ask a higher price. The developer added a couple of game modes and a couple of guns, which was great and people loved. But if developers just asked a higher price for their game to begin with, it, it is going to be much easier to sell it in physical, to do more units and to pay the developer. I mean, we, The Lost Tinker, for example, we could have easily sold it for $29.99, but because it's $19.99, when you go to a retailer and they see a $10 price difference, they're going to be, I'm not going to take this game, digital is, yeah. is cheaper. And I mean, there are no actual statistics to back up that if a physical game is more expensive, it sells less. There are no statistics that prove that at all. But still, if that's the case, retailers won't take them. And and a couple of other games as well. We we uh, last week went to our, our partner in Germany and one of our games, he, he, he one of our new games, he said, why are you not selling this for 40 euros? And it's because the developer is going to ask 24.99. 
So we can only do twenty nine ninety nine, and that's that that's a problem if people if developers don't ask what they deserve. Yeah, developers are undervaluing themselves in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yes. I think part of the problem is, though, is I have observed that for a lot of... I mean, because for you, for you guys' games, there is already an audience there anyway with, of people that, that know indie games, that know you know smaller games, that want physical games. That audience is there and, and wouldn't go away anyway. But I think wider outside of that, there is a problem where, where um, very regular steam sales and sort of mobile prices have sort of devalued these sort of what what they deem to be smaller games in their minds i i have spoken to people where they genuinely feel like games like firewatch because it's an indie game should cost the same as an app you know it should cost like three quid max um yeah so it's stuff like steam which isn't not you know it's not steam's fault they're good for consumers and stuff but uh but it's stuff like Steam that has devalued. I know where you come from, but it's also the strategy that the developer chooses. I mean, we, on the 1st of April, we released a new Adam's Venture for PS4, Xbox One and PC. We sold it at $49.99, which is obviously for the mainstream gamer is is uh, uh, too expensive. I mean, they see... Uh, for in, if they look in the budget game, they see Evolve, uh, 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 the Lost Borderlands game, stuff like that. So for them, they go for a triple A game. But for the people that look for an old school puzzle adventure, they don't mind. They just want to play that game and buy it. And then, of course, we don't get the same day one sales if we sold it for 39 or even 29. But since we don't need to we just wait until we price it down and then we bring those people in only because we are a publisher and we do multiple games we have the luxury of going for strategic for strategic like that a lot of the developers they develop 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 and then they're like oh shit our money is almost gone let's release the game but then they need to go cheap but because they need to sell their volume but it's almost never working out yeah, we see we see games that are just like you said, like the first week they release, it's like, oh, it's 15 to 20% off just because it's release week. And it's like you're immediately now valuing your game at like 749 or um 12.99 something to that effect. And so when people grab it, they're they're not playing it or they're not becoming fans of the IP because they didn't play it and they're not becoming fans of the developer and it was just a, it was just a quick grab but a lot of these developers that are um, releasing their game at 10 to 15 dollars a pop um, they'll be approached depending on the time of year by steam and say you know we would love to make this part of our steam sale and even if they have not discounted the game thus far um, the, the problem is that when you have an offer on the table to have a very large payday and you're an indie developer and your your shop is one to three people, um, it's really hard to say no to that and, and bank on the long-term longevity of your of your product or your intellectual property. And so by almost sheer force, Steam is by proxy, sort of, um, devaluing the work that all these people are doing. And so indie games still will be categorized as this niche product regardless of how many there are or how much money is spent in the industry and 
people will never get over the fact that they should be able to buy it for, like you said, just a few dollars until all of that stops and we we have developers take a stand like um, like Thomas Happ with Axiom Verge. Uh, until developers refuse to do those types of things until many years into their life cycle, we're not going to change the audience and customer perception of what indie games are worth. And it's really unfortunate. Their bundles, bundles, don't even get me started on those, are really killing people's valuation perception on games because they're picking up bundles through one of the 5 million sites out there for, you know, seven games for four ninety nine or whatever. Yeah. And the developers are ending up getting $0.05 cents or $0.10 cents per unit, which is ridiculous. And we, we ended up doing that through Mighty Rabbit with Saturday Morning RPG. We were bundling with Indie Gala and, like, they were doing happy hours where, hey, let's here's here's seven keys for the same game for four ninety nine, and it's like just ridiculously hurt our bottom line on that game where people are able to get the game through G two A now and all these shady key reseller sites for fifty cents or whatever, and nobody is buying us at full MSRP on PC anymore. It's just bundles have killed the our ability to sell that game at market price yeah but th that's true i mean but on the other hand discoverability on steam is so difficult now that yep. we have also seen that after a bundle we actually started selling a little bit better mm. i mean it's not enough to make up for what you need but because discoverability is so bad just getting it in people's libraries m makes that other people notice it as well Yep, it's a, it's a necessary evil, which is which is kind of sad almost. Uh, like we we had to go in that bundle to get the game in front of people, but it, yeah. it hurts knowing that we sold them for like five cents a piece. But ultimately, like the physical version sold incredibly well. Like we were sold out of the PS4 version in ten minutes, and that was at like six times the the digital price on Steam because the digital price on Steam is like six bucks, and we were selling the physical version for $25 and it sold out. Well, this is the same thing that happened with the app store, you know, five years ago where Apple changed their visibility algorithms and stopped letting people discover things that were new. And so it became a race to the bottom. Like I'll, I'll do anything I can. I'll, I'll drop my price down. Hell, I'll even make it free and do ads instead of in-app purchases or uh, instead of it being a five to ten dollar game, I'll make it 99 cents and and hope someone discovers it. And so now if, if you're not a large company with lots of resources to get advertising out there or working with Apple to get on their front page, um, you know you're you're very rarely ever seen by the, the common public. And this is exactly what has happened with Steam. Steam has has killed discoverability. Uh, they've tried to do some things like with the the curation aspect, where anybody can be a game curator. Uh, but in reality, there are so many games coming out um, by people that are in high school or uh, you know six man six to sixty man teams uh, that are still quote unquote indie, and it's really difficult to get eyeballs and. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the I don't have the solution, but uh, I do know that if we if we have a game that comes out that's twenty dollars on digital, um, people scoff at it, and it's it's kind of crazy to me that um, a game that could give you 
literally 30 to 60 hours of entertainment at a $20 price point is scoffed at. I mean, you you would go to the movie, uh, the movie theater, pay $10 for popcorn and a small drink on top of your $15 ticket price and be there for three hours and have an uncomfortable time where people are yelling at the screen or crying babies are inside, you know, and you're okay with that. But something that gives you weeks long of entertainment uh, can't be twenty dollars. It's it's just freaking ridiculous. Well, I mean, I I would I would sooner pay twenty dollars for a good ten minute long game than for a shit sixty minute one. You know, uh, like I I would I would genuinely pay the same price for a good short game if I had a great experience out of it. Yeah. You know, for, for there are the games like there are games like The Witness that came out, and I think they sold it like for for me at like a thirty pound price point. Um, and yeah, that was scoffed at. I think they actually, I think they actually managed to, to do quite well out of it. But um, but games like Soma, um, they sold at quite a high price point and really didn't sell at all. Um, ah, that's not really true. S Soma sold quite well, only uh, with Soma. But that's just for me. And I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of not objective at this point. But if you're going out for such a price why not go physical as well i mean with such a digital price you can put it away physical for 40 bucks and then you can make money on physical then they would have been break even and what we always say to developers i mean we we can get the game in a lot of different stores which is an all kind of marketing pr perspective on, on its own so why go just digital and then even though you sell enough Apparently not enough to go break even. I the thing is, I think for a lot of developers, the problem is is indie developers and small teams and stuff. They are not people that have even necessarily gone to uni to study this sort of thing. They certainly right. have never had experience in in sort of big game developers and stuff. They are literally just making games because they're passionate about them. And from from a journalist perspective, having people send me press emails and stuff, I I have quickly learned that 90% of indie developers have no clue about how to do business. They want to make good games and they want people to see that good game. And that's often that is it. They, they, they can suck at PR. They can suck at knowing how to release it. They can suck at knowing how to publish it and regularly do. And that's why a lot of them fail. The, these people do not necessarily have sort of the business tact to even find right. you guys. You know, a lot of them won't even know to go and look for it for any of you three to release their game physically. They might not have even thought about physical release, or some of them may have done, but they have no idea how to how to get into that line. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've definitely experienced that. <laughs> we've been struggling trying to get some developers on board because they think that, like, doing a physical release is really hard. But actually, with, like, this generation of games, it's not that difficult. On PS4... Uh, it's it's pretty easy because it's just installing from the disc. It's not running on the disc constantly. So like developers have this like skewed perception that like hey, a physical release is gonna be a ton of work. It's gonna be ridiculously difficult. But in reality, it's only like especially if it's an in development game, it's only a couple hours of extra work. Yeah, it's not like the old days where you had like Nintendo submissions where you'd have to go through weeks of lot checks just to make sure that the game ran properly in there. There's no bugs and like all of those barriers were um, really tough to get through. It took a long time. And, you know, as we've moved more towards a PC architecture uh, for consoles uh, and those console manufacturers have had to grow with the times, 
uh, of PC game developers, uh, things have really lightened up a little bit, and uh, it's it's definitely made for easier manufacturing um, in regards to you know the three of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it it takes developers, and this is an absolute worst case scenario. It takes for a developer uh, to have one guy do four days of work spread over one month and that's worst case scenario mm. yeah it's it's just it's not it's not that difficult to do a physical release so it's kind of like it's stupid to write it off it's almost like just just completely flat out stupid to not do a physical release of a game these days because there's an audience for it it's going to generate way more money than than not it's it's gonna pay back it, the the amount of time it takes to do in spades. So I just like I, I've 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 had such a hard time figuring out why a developer wouldn't want to do it. But I kind of like I understand it when I'm going to them asking them to like put legacy titles on disc. They're just like oh I just want to move on from that game, and I kind of get that. But I still feel like it's 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 kind of stupid to leave that money on the table. But I'm kind of looking on. I'm looking at this from a perspective of a guy who hasn't already made $30 million on their game or even even a million or two million. So like I'm looking at it like, you know, an extra $100,000 or $200,000 being made through us is like, that's an incredible amount of money to me. But I guess from like certain developers perspective, like they'd rather just move on. I got an email from, uh, from one of the devs I'm talking with like just last week and he was like, eh. I don't know. We we just did a Steam sale and I sold twenty six thousand units with only twenty five percent off. So I made the calculation, and that's much much more money than what you forecast. And then I mean, and then it's hard to explain to them that they should do it because it's a nice it's a nice marketing outing. It gives a new boost to the game, etc. But I mean, I get it. Of course, they have more going on than just that one game and just that one platform uh, a lot of developers feel like they've got one chance to sell the game and if they're selling right now at um, 2,000 copies a day then they make a calculation and if the margins don't meet what they're already going to be forecasted to make then it just doesn't make sense to them they're just like no I can't do that because I'm giving my game away for a lot cheaper than what I'm making and that's the complete wrong way to think about it the the point of doing like a physical release in, in this day and age like this type of niche is that you absolutely have people that already own the game that are going to go back and get it again and so you're you're already making more revenue off those people because they want to support you but they you, you don't have a way for them to do that beyond the original purchase of the game i mean what it's going to be a a, a donate button on your site like people aren't going to do that they want to get something in return and so uh, you have yeah, people it's, that it's come an back and, and repurchase and and then beyond that, we we've seen when when we do like our indie boxes that um, people will actually uh, go and buy the game on Steam. So if they don't want the physical version, but they learn about us through our um, through our marketing or whatever, then they think the game is good enough to buy, but they don't want to wait for it or whatever the case may be. We've seen Steam sales for for games increase just by being featured in a physical good. And it's really short-sighted to say, eh, you know, the margins don't line up. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, at, at that point, you're leaving money on the table, man. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do for you. 
Yeah, it's 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 like the the physical stuff. It's just a boost in the revenue. Like whether you go through Sudesco or go through us or go through any box, it, it is a boost in revenue. We're not all hitting the same audience. Sudesco's getting they're getting a lot of people in retail who might not be browsing PSN. They might not be browsing Steam. They might not be browsing XBLA. They're going into their Walmart or they're going into Best Buy and they're browsing from the shelves. And those customers aren't going to be reached if they don't do a release through Sudesco. With us, we're getting collectors who and, and, and aficionados who want these games physically. They want them on their shelf. They want to own them forever. And through IndieBox, you're, you're getting people who they may even already own the game. But they want to own the game again in a physical format. We're all hitting different audiences who otherwise may be missing out on these titles. Yeah, and I mean, both IndieBox and Limited Run, they are... They are selling the games to like the screaming minority group and you want those people behind your game because those are the people that defend your game everywhere on events, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, you want to cater them as much as possible. So even if the margin don't line up, uh, uh, if someone buys your game with Limited Run or IndieBox and they they something happens on Twitter, they will be the first to respond to say it's an awesome game. Yep, they're going to champion it. They're going to fight for it. And they're going to say, like, these developers care about us because they're putting their game out physically and they're saying, like, you can actually own our game. And people love that. It, 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 it creates people who will, will, will love your game forever and they will cherish your game forever. And it kind of, like, from my perspective as, as a developer and a publisher... It creates a legacy for your game. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a bit like, as I said earlier, where I will sometimes, I will sometimes buy a game physically just to show my support for it being physical. And yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the majority of people that do that that way. Um, but I, I, a bunch of people do. And, sure, and I like, do... Why, why write that minority off? Yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing is with a lot of developers is they are sort of stuck in that because of the nature of Steam sales and app prices and humble bundles and whatnot they are sort of stuck in that bubble and often don't know how to get out of it or don't even know how to ask and yeah it's a bit of a weird one i believe you guys need to go so shall we wrap up yeah sounds good yeah marvelous um so limited run games um quickly just tell us where we can find you and what you have planned in the near future so you can find us at www.limitedrungames.com. Our next release is going to be Octodad Dadliest Catch for PS4 and Vita on June 19th, which is Father's Day, the, the best day of the year to release a game about a regular dad just doing stuff with his family. Uh, it's definitely highly recommended that you check us out and go on the site and buy it on that day because all of our releases are one print run and then they're they're gone forever. So... Check it out. Pick it up if it's something that interests you. Awesome. And IndieBox, if you want to do the same. Yeah, so you can find us at theindiebox.com. Uh, also, that's all of our social media as well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And uh, we make collector's edition video games in a subscription format where every single month you get a brand new game in a box with all kinds of cool collectibles, including the manual soundtrack and... Uh, lots of fun stuff. So we start out at nineteen ninety nine and go up from there. And we hope you check us out. Marvelous. And Sodesco? Um, our next upcoming releases are, depending on where you live, in June or July, uh, Nero. And after that, 
among the sleep, uh, both PS4 and PC. And depending on where you live, it's most of the time easiest to find, find them on Amazon. Uh, yeah, I've been buying a lot of his stuff through Amazon at the moment myself. And I just um, want to say that, like, I am I'm a supporter of what both of you guys do, James and Hans. I've been buying Sodesco releases. I originally started importing them from the UK, but now I'm ecstatic to see them up on Amazon for US releases. I'm picking up all of those, and I've been subscribing to IndieBox since Brutal Legend. I wish I had jumped on earlier because I actually found out about it when you guys were gearing up for Teslagrad. I wish that I had signed up because now like I have a hole in my heart because I can't get everything. Oh, I missed Guacamelee. I, I'm I'm in constant tears for missing the Guacamelee indie box. I can't I can't say too much, but uh, unfortunately Teslagrad I don't think we'll do another reprint, but um, you'll have another opportunity for Guacamelee here in the in the near near future. Ooh. Yeah I've I've got Guacamelee. I just I, I feel so sad that I missed out on Love Trousers, that I missed out on Teslagrad, that I, I don't have Mousecraft, that I, I missed out on these earlier games. Um, so I would just recommend that anybody, if you're interested in IndieBox, sign up, subscribe. The stuff they're doing is awesome. Uh, if you like physical games, buy the stuff that Sudesco is putting out because it's really awesome too. And if you like physical games on your PS4, check us out everything that we're all doing is awesome and and people should jump on board show support and pick it up because it's cool stuff indeed Absolutely. if if you don't want indeed. stuff like pt to happen again and you like supporting developers then go buy these three things the good stuffs um and i'm at toads anime if you want to tweet me so tweet me tweet me pictures of your games or something that'll do that'll be good right so um goodbye everybody Goodbye. See Thank, you later. Thanks, thanks for having me. Go buy some games. Bye.